and I'm glad, I'm glad to be here with you. Um, once again, just an uh, uh, just, uh, opportunity to uh, meet up with Pastor Philip and Rene. It's just refreshing. They have been a good friend of ours and really just glad to be uh, here with you. Um, this is uh, supposed to be um, just a, a Zoom uh, gathering. I think we're tired of Zoom. That's why I said I'll fly you over. So uh, I came with me uh, here in, uh, in South Africa. Uh, with me is Pastor Edre, one of our pastors in one of the congregations. Is Pastor Edre here? Pastor Edre, just wave. Um, we, have, we, have, we are one church in, and we have um, 20 congregations acro across Metro Manila. And he's one of our pastors who transitioned during COVID to be the senior pastor of one of the congregations. I have with me uh, Pastor Jed, one of our uh, pastors in Ortigas. Please stand. This is Pastor Jed. He's our youth, youth pastor and uh, been helping uh, in our kids' church. And then he transitioned to youth. And we could see uh, 11, uh, 12, 13-year-olds going to the youth, secure, confident, because they've seen him in, in, in kids' church. Now they're part of our youth service as well. And I'm glad that I, I, have, uh, I have them with, uh, I, they have joined me. Uh, I, I want to thank your wives. I think you guys should buy something, a gift for your wife for allowing you to join me. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but, uh, and uh, it's just amazing. And Pastor Philip mentioned about um, just uh, in 1984 in the Philippines when the Americans came um, and uh, they, they had during their summertime, instead of uh, just spending time with their families, they went to a, a two month long outreach to Asia. And one month in the Philippines, another month in Korea. And they went to my campus. They started doing something in, uh, 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 in my university and started inviting uh, people to a rock and roll seminar. And uh, there were people dancing in the streets and just to attract and give flyers. And, and so, but I couldn't take it. Women dancing in the streets. I got the invitation. I saw rock and roll. So I went home and left my bag and changed my, and, and wore my uh, my uh, black sleeveless jacket and, and attended. I got my uh, uh, leather sleepers and attended this uh, rock and roll seminar. But uh, I, I found out it was Rice Brooks preaching the gospel. And it, it, you know, I was 18 years old um, during that time. And uh, when, I was, when I was there, it was uh, such a challenging thing for me because I just joined the fraternity. And uh, I grew up in a house where my grandmother is reading her Bible, and I have my mother reading her Bible. And I thought Christianity is for, for women. But when I went to college, I joined a fraternity. Then I saw this tall guy preaching the gospel. It was uh, such a refreshing sight for me. Um, and then he challenged, if you, he made an altar call, if you, if you die today, where do you think you will go? And, and uh, I couldn't respond to that question I couldn't answer that question and then uh, if you are in and he prayed the prayer preached the gospel asked people to come forward I did not come forward my seatmates came forward and I was holding on to uh, that chair neck right in front of me someone touched my elbow and uh, so I ran <laughs> I moved forward and I have been running ever since because I, I became a, a long distance runner but but I came forward, and when I came forward, I was wondering, maybe my classmates might recognize me. And so I, I kind of, they were already in front, so I made my way in front. And then an American guy went to the stage and started taking a photo. 
a photo right there. And I said, the reason why I came forward is for my classmates not recognize me. And now the guy is taking a photo. I was angry. You want to see the photo? It's right there. Maybe you can put on that photo. That's the photo right there. That's the guy. That was me. And that was Rice Brooks wearing uh, our national barong. Those two other guys were, were my seatmates. Who, and one of them is still in drugs. Apparently, I found out. But they came forward, and I was that guy on that left, and Pastor Rice moved his one leg. That's why I got, you know, <laughs> got a shot of me right there. That was 1984. I was 18 years old. That was 38 years ago. 38 years ago. And uh, some of you, you just came back from school. Who among you are students here? Raise your hands. How was the one week so far? Good? You're back? Well, I'm just excited to be with you. And, you know, I just, uh, just remembering um, Forrest Gump when he was sitting on that bench and he was holding on to that box, a little box that he had. And, and he said to the person next to him and says, my mother told me that life is like a box of chocolate. You just don't know what you're going to get. And sometimes Christians are like that. There are different types of Christians, and, and uh, Christians are like a box of chocolate. You just don't know what to expect. And, um, and, but today, we look at the passage of the Scripture, and let's define what a follower of Jesus Christ is all about. And, and the Bible has defined to us what Christian means, or what a believer, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ means. And we're going to look at these three passages from the book of John, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to look at that and, and turn your Bibles to look at John chapter 8, verse 31. And let's all stand as we read God's word together this evening. Verse 8, 31. And it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You turn with me to the next uh, passage in chapter, um, chapter 13 and verse 30, 32. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another by this all people will know. Say, all people will know. That's their way of saying, this is how it's going to become viral. All people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Another passage defining what a disciple is in chapter 15, looking here in verse, um, uh, verse 8. By this... My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. Here is the word of the Lord for us today, and let us pray. Father God, we pray today that you will be able, Lord God, just to, Lord, show us a profile of what a disciple is. Lord, as we go back to our campuses, as we have seen our classmates, some of us, and Lord, as we go back to our offices, Lord, I pray that may they know that we are your followers. 
Lord, in the name of Jesus, in such a way that it would uh, help people be inch closer to the Lord Jesus and to the gospel. We pray tonight that you, Lord, give us, Lord, the grace of the Lord and, 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 and the power of the Holy Spirit so that we'll be able to fulfill and be part of your mission here on earth. We give you all the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take your seats. The first description of what a disciple is, John had already described right here in this passage in chapter 8. And he says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed. We're, talk, we're talking about Jew, Jews who had been serving and, and been aware of the Old Testament. And, and, and Jesus looked at them and says, and says, if you abide in my word. You know, John, John had this, uh, you know, he would inter, uh, intersperse whether the word or himself in some of the passages. For example, in chapter 15. He says, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. And then in verse 7, that's verse 5. In verse 7, chapter 15, he says, if you abide in, my, uh, if you abide in me and my word abide in you so he kind of interchanged first he him himself now his word abiding in you and so his word is is you know your uh, your your love so the first description of a of a disciple is we love God's word uh, we develop this desire to know him through his word um, there's some of you probably there's some who are not into reading but as soon as they become Christians, something happens to them about, you know, it, it just, you know, I, you know, I read, you know, small, small, like, uh, you know, the book section of Reader's Digest when I was a teenager. I would read that, the Espionauts and the, uh, you know, the Russian whatever, and I would read those in, the, in Reader's Digest. But when I became a Christian, I developed a habit. I, I took up civil engineering. I was in my, uh, uh, when I came to know Christ... That was 1984, and I started reaching out to my classmates. So you see, in engineering, most of us are men in civil engineering, and uh, so I would try to preach to my classmates. One time I preached to my classmate, and the first thing he asked me when I attempted to preach to him is that, have you read your Bibles yet? Your Bible yet? Have you read your Bible? I said, well, not yet, but it's in there. <laughs> so I told him it's in there. He says, you read your Bible, and let's talk next time. It's like... Wow, it's, I had a hard time uh, ministering to my fellow um, uh, engineering students. But along the way, I've discovered that architecture students listen to the engineering students because they think we are math genius. <laughs> they almost like worship us, you know. So when I went to the architecture department, tried to reach out to them, they, they may be as busy as, you know, but if I go there and introduce myself, I'm from the engineering department. Oh, really? What are you doing here, you know? And so I ended up inviting them. We had revival in the architecture department. While my fellow classmates in the engineering, they don't even listen. But anyways, that was, uh, that was before December of 1984. So I went back home during Christmas. And I decided to read my Bible, spend my entire Christmas break as a, as a brand new believer, reading my entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. 
And so it was a shock to my parents. You know, I would read my Bible in the morning, and then I don't even bother to get out of the house. I just eat and then go back to the room and read my Bible. You could imagine those few days of Christmas break, reading from Genesis to Revelation. And my father one time even entered into my room. You know, during sunset, you're not able to put on, uh, put on the lights and, you, you know, your, 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 your eyes are kind of, you know, you're teary-eyed already and you're still reading the Bible. And, and my father came in and said, son, son uh, I have a question. Uh, why don't you go out, son? I said, do you know, you still have friends, you're friends with June, right? I said, yes, why don't you go out? Why don't you drink beer? And then I realized he would rather have me, uh, you know, being an alcoholic than being a Christian. <laughs> and then why don't you go out and drink beer? At the back of my mind, I was thinking, you should have said that last year, you know. <laughs> but, but anyways, but it, that was absurd. My dad is pushing me to drink with my friends. Then I knew the reason why I have became, I have become in the house kind of weird to them. Because I now am reading my Bible. I just came from Manila, went to my province, and started reading my Bible. And to them, it was kind of different. And so, but January came. I went back to my school. And then I had my classmates. I sat down next to my classmate and started preaching to him. And lo and behold, he asked me that same question again. He says, why? Have you read your Bible? And I looked at him, took my time, <laughs> smiled a bit, and says, in fact... I just finished last week. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just something. And I've been reading my Bible ever since. And it's just amazing. I, I read my Bible with my notebooks. Um, and uh, lately, during, during, during the lockdown, I'm, I was glad I was able to buy a Japanese notebook you can turn it 360-degree notebook. And I would, I would read my Bible. I, would, I used to read three to four chapters a day. If you read your Bible uh, three to four chapters a day, you'll finish the entire Bible in one year and read the book of Psalms twice. That's how amazing it is. Just read three to four chapters a day. But I decided to kind of slow down a bit. So I decided to read six to eight verses a day. So during lockdown, I was going through uh, the, the Pauline letters... The letters, the, the epistles that Apostle Paul wrote until I reached Revelation. When I reached Revelation, I was thinking, should I really go through the Revelation for my quiet time, for my devotion? You know, I was kind of intimidated. I'm already a bishop, you know, but a little bit intimidated going to Revelation for my devotion. And so I says, but I went through it anyway. I cheated along the way by checking some commentaries. Because I couldn't, what is 666? What is seven horns in this dragon? And, and so I kind of checked and I discovered some things and all oh, the Roman Empire and so on. So I enjoyed it actually going through it. It was pandemic anyway, so you don't have any choice, you know, but, but, but read your Bible. As soon as I finished Revelation December of, 20, uh, of 20, 2020, then I decided maybe I could read Psalms. Or 2021. Maybe I can go through the book of Psalms. I'm still in the book of Psalms today. Psalm, 100, uh, Psalm 106. And um, I'm sharing this to you because I want us to be just like what Jesus said. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. 
And I hope that tonight the Lord would create a new hunger in your heart for His Word. And let, that, let the Word of God, uh, you know, be formed in our hearts and transforms, transform us from inside out. The Word of God. And that's amazing. And so as we, as we move along, the second description of a disciple is found in chapter, uh, in chapter 13. Number one, the, the, the description of a Christian is we love God's word. The second one is we, we, we like God's word. But the second one is we love one another. Say love one another. John, thir, uh, John uh, 13, 30, 34, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. The word one, one another was mentioned three times in these two verses. Love one another. And just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Verse 35. By this all people will know. How can John say that in a time where there were no social media? <laughs> How can John say that? In a time where there were no radios or newspapers. and Why is he saying this? All people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The Christians truly picked this, pick this, this uh, verse and really applied it in their communities. Love was so evident amongst themselves that the church, that Christianity started growing. You know, nowadays, one in every three person is a Christian. At least, you know, um, you know in our modern day Google, uh, uh, you know, uh, if you check it. And so, and so that's, the, that's the situation. But what happened during their time? They didn't have a prominent church members. Now, once in a while, they would have, you know, this, uh, the family of Caesar where, you know, the gospel had been heard in this family of Caesar. You know, there's few of those, but not so many influential members. They're not welcome in societies. Christians, there were always a relentless persecutions against Christians. No buildings. They didn't have places like this. The first building that they have discovered out of excavation was, was discovered in, discovered in, um, in, in, in 231 A.D. Uh, it, it, they've discovered the first actual church building found in Dura Europus in Euphrates, date, dating about 231 A.D. So we're talking about beforehand, before 231 A.D., they meet in homes, in the temple courts, and from house to house, Acts 20, 20. Remember that verse? They would meet in homes. They didn't have buildings like this. They didn't have like that building that was built during, during, uh, uh, during lockdown somewhere in Pretoria with how many seating capacity. They didn't have all these buildings. What they only had during that time was their homes. And they opened themselves up and, and invite one another. They would meet together. But what happened here? It's because, and, and, and the person that they are, they are worshiping and following is a, man, is, is, is a man from a small town, and this man is called Jesus. And, and, and so that is the picture. Now, I want you to know that we are incapable of loving one another. But why did he say this? Love one another. If we are incapable of loving one another. Titus chapter 3, verse 3, 
describe our, our human condition. He says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. That is our description. We are unable, apart from the gospel, to love one another. We hate, people would hate you, and you hate others. You may remove all the, you know, your weapon of mass destruction. You may remove all the rifles and so on and so forth. But people will still kill one another even with a barbecue stick. Because the issue is not weapons. The issue is the heart of man. That is our condition. But guess what? Because of the gospel, it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. We don't have it in a keynote. But it says in Romans 5 verse 5, and hope does not put to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The reason why we are capable of loving one another is because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. Who among you are glad that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts? He's, now we're capable of loving one another. But how many of you know hate and love cannot stay in one heart. There should be an opportunity for you to forgive. You know, just as you are, you know, some of you know, it's easy to love the lovable. But sometimes we are unlovable at times, you know. Well, how do I know? Well, I have a wife. And, uh, but thanks be to God, by the power of the Holy Spirit... We were empowered to love one another. There was, a, uh, there was a, a man by the name of Aristides or Aristides. He was a, a profiler. He was a, he's a philosopher. But he was hired by, by one of the Caesars by the name of Emperor Hadrian. And he was given the task of spying out those strange creatures known as Christians in a certain in certain place in a certain country. So he assigned this guy, Aristides, to do the job of research. And this happened during 125 AD. So he's given him a task. So he studied, it's almost like anthropology. You know, studying, going to different. I tried going uh, in my class. You have that subject in your class in ENS? Uh, we had that. We have that. We had that in our school, and I went to a mosque, and it was quite an experience. I met up one of the imams, and uh, that's another story I can share with you one of these days. I was, I was kind of, uh, you know, I was a bit intimidated being in a, my first time to be in a mosque, carpeted, and I was interviewing one of the imams uh, right there, and. It was intimidating. Uh, I'm glad I had a guy with me uh, who introduced me as the, as, the, um, uh, as the chairman of Real Life Foundation. And we were able to uh, receive some of the students in their community to be scholars of Real Life, Real Life Foundation. And so they kind of, okay, tried to accept me. But one of the guys tried to ask an ID from me. You know, and, uh, but I couldn't. Give my ID. I had my license at the back of my back, back, back pocket, but I couldn't give it. But I'm glad he was ready enough to give his ID, and I was spared. Um, but, um, 
But I, you know, what, what Aristides, the Aristides did was just challenging. But he gave, up, he gave a report afterwards. And this is the result of his report. An excerpt of his report to King Hadrian, Caesar. Uh, you want to know the, an excerpt of that? It's on a keynote, and this is what he said. This is his discovery of the Christians. They walk in humility and kindness, and fal falsehood is not found among them. Behold, they love one another. Behold, how they love one another. Aristides, 125 AD, apology of Aristides to Emperor Hadrian Caesar. What a discovery that he had. Uh, history would tell us that Aristides had become a Christian. And so it's just an amazing story. This is how Christians of old, without technology, without Facebook, are able to grow as a as, as group of church communities because they truly love one another. One of the cities in Mindanao called Marawi um, was uh, taken over by some of the terrorists. And uh, they have taken over this city. And so the people started running away from the city. Some of the people uh, on their way out of escaping, they passed through this one small community led by a former rebel. rebel um, and he's a Datu, he's a chieftain. And some of the people from this city in Mindanao in the Philippines uh, went through, uh, were supposed to escape, but they end up going to this barangay or certain community being led by these Datus, chieftain, Muslim chieftain. And, uh, and then, lo and behold, Christians, every nation, victory, uh, churches nearby this city started coming in and giving in relief efforts. And they were, to their, to their surprise, the first people who have come to the rescue were Christians. And not only that they came with relief efforts, that poster that, puts, that, that says this. Where you, can, you can see it right now. And this is what it says in this poster. We are Christians and we love Muslims. Victory Philippines. I was, I'm a bishop, you know, of victory in the Philippines. I was wondering who permitted the guy... To write Victory Philippines. He could have put there anonymous questions or something. But why Victory Philippines? And I was thinking, I was, you're jeopardizing, uh, you know, our movement here. But the chieftain, when he saw this, he was so glad and thanked the team who went there. And made a declaration. He says, I hope someday we can say we are Muslims. And we love Christians. I hope we can say that someday. But right here a testimony on Facebook. I, I grab it from one's uh, Facebook account and showing it to you today. You want our church to be viral? Don't think about so much about brands. Oh, let's hire people to do the brand for us. Oh, really? Why don't you try relating? Why don't you try forgiving? Why don't you try reaching out? Forget about the branding. The branding will follow you. Because you love people. And, and so therefore it will become viral. It happened before. Why can't it be done today? Love one another. And the reason why we can do it. 
is because the Lord had empowered us. The third description of a disciple is not only we like God's word, but we love one another. The third one is we live fruitful lives. We live fruitful lives. And we see in this passage, in verse 8, by my Father, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. John is just on point. He was able to identify what a disciple is. He knew the profile of a disciple. They love God's word. They love Jesus. They love one another. There's, that's vertical. You love Jesus. You love one another. And he says they live. Out of that comes fruitfulness. It, we're, we're talking about missions here. Now some of you, uh, it says they're fruit. What do you mean missions? Well, let's, let's check what the scripture has to, do, to say about fruits. Now here are some definitions from the Bible about fruit. What do you mean by fruit? First Peter, Second Peter chapter 1 verse 8 says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful. Now notice this. In the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So fruit means personal character. The way your disposition. The way you carry yourself as a believer. That's fruit. Your character. And it's increasing. And so because of that, that's, the scripture calls it fruit. What else? Titus 3.14. Let our people learn to devote themselves to do good works. So as to help cases of urgent needs. And not be unfruitful. What is he talking about? He's talking about our communal um, relationship. Doing good works. Doing, I've, I've seen, uh, I was there in our, in our uh, discipleship conference. I was there with, with Pastor Philip and I saw this manual, social responsibility. A thick manual. And, 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 and so I got that and, and I says, uh, can I have this? So I stole your manual, and so maybe the, the person behind the table is still looking for the copy. I'm making a confession right now. I stole it with Pastor Philip's permission. And so, uh, because I want to read it. Social responsibility, a thick manual on how to help your community. What an amazing, amazing thought. And, and, and that's, that's what fruitfulness is all about. It's okay. That's what fruitfulness is all about. I, I, I told you, I may be in winter time in South Africa, I'll be perspiring. <laughs> and then what else? When you say fruit, what else? We're talking about material generosity. There's, there's this verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. He's talking about, he's talking about being generous. Uh, this morning, uh, someone picked me up, one of our pastors in uh, Leanwood Church, and uh, Pastor Edre, he's, he, has, uh, he has the same car with uh, Jude. Yeah, nice car. Uh, Range Rover, was it? Yeah, he had, he had a Range Rover as well. And, uh, and so I said, uh, nice car you have here, yeah. Um, and then he told me that somebody gave him that car. And he was so overwhelmed, he couldn't drive it for two weeks. He was just watching it. I guess that's what he was doing for the last two weeks. <laughs> I could imagine him the next two weeks. <laughs> I 
after two weeks, he started driving it. Now he's one of our pastors in Linwood, you know. And, uh, and, so, and, I, and, I, and I, it was funny. And I told him, you know, that's amazing. Maybe at one point in your life, you'll be the one giving cars. And he smiled and looked at me and says, yeah, the Lord had used me to give away two cars already. I think I'm in the right church. The pastor is already given two cars. That's the kind of church I want to be part of. Even the pastor is generous enough to give away cars. That's fruitfulness. Being generous in your church is fruitfulness. That's a sign of fruitfulness. That's part of loving one another. Amazing. Amazing. So um, material, material uh, possession, even divine praise. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of what? Fruit of lips. A sacrifice of praise that acknowledge his name. In other words, fruitfulness means that we are able to give a sacrifice of praise to the Lord with our lips. You don't need lip loss in order for you to be fruitful in your praising the Lord. Amazing, right? Amazing. You can be fruitful with your lips in worshiping God and encouraging one another and in, in, in giving comfort to others with our lips. Do you know that some people, they go to church and they're hoping that someone would encourage them. I hope when we go to church, we think of, Lord, who should I be blessing with your words of encouragement today? Lord, who should I be blessing with this material uh, thing extra that you have given me this week? Amazing. But you know what? The last scriptural meaning of fruit in the Bible is found in Romans chapter 1 verse 13. Let's look at this passage and analyze this in Romans. You've been going through Romans anyway. But Romans chapter 1 verse 13 says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have been intended, often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you. Now what was that harvest? As well as among the rest of the Gentiles. You know what he was talking about? He's talking about souls. I've been longing to come to you so that I may reap a harvest of souls. Not just among the Gentiles, but amongst you in Rome. When I say fruit, you prove yourself to be the Lord's disciple when you bear fruit. What are we talking about? We're talking about lost people coming to Christ. And the Lord has been using you to be an instrument, to be an instrument to preach that gospel and see harvests. And, and see people cross the line of faith. You bearing fruit of souls of people. And we're talking about missions. You know, Jesus summarized all of this in one verse. And let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And this is what the scripture says in verse 19. And he said to them. Do we have it on a keynote? This is what it says. Matthew chapter 19, 4, verse 19. And let's all read this together. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That, 
You want to define what a disciple is? A disciple in our world and in the scripture, according to John, a disciple is a person who follows Jesus, fish for men. And how many know if you follow Jesus, there are others following him? Not just you. So you end up fellowshipping with others who are following Jesus. So we define a disciple as a person who follows Jesus, fellowships with others, and fish for men. Are you a disciple tonight? Are you, do you possess the profile of a disciple? May we all be having that profile of a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where we love him, we follow him, we love his word. Where we fellowship with one another and love one another. And not be conscious about your personal branding. But you just love one another. Learning how to forgive easily. I can be offended, but I made a point to forgive easily. When we forgive easily, then we can easily move on in loving others. And not allow bitterness to stay put in our hearts. As I end, I would say... A disciple of Christ ensures obedience to his word, enjoys fellowship with his church, endeavors to connect other people to him through the gospel. May this describe each and every one of us. I want you to bow down your heads and close your eyes. We want to pray. Father God, thank you for this evening that you've given us an opportunity to, Lord, see what a profile of a disciple is according to the Bible. Not according to our movement not according to what people say, not according to the expectations of the world, but according to you yourself through John. The disciple is somebody who are in love with your word, keeping your word, applying your word in our life here on earth, loving you, Lord, loving one another, learning how to forgive Father God, we know that love and hate cannot stay in the same heart at the same time. So Lord, help us to learn how to forgive. Some of us, we have bitterness in our hearts. We keep it, Lord, that we thought, Lord, Lord by keeping that bitterness, we, we bring harm to the people who offended us. But Lord, it's not really harming them. It is harming us. So we release that resentment. We release that unforgiveness in the name of Jesus. I cannot be fruitful without hate in my heart. Lord, teach me how to forgive. Teach me, Lord, to be like what Jude mentioned to us in the car the other day. I'm first a Christian, second a black man. What a confession of a man, Lord, who had an encounter with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remove hate in our hearts, Lord. I lift up to you, South Africa, Lord. I'm a Filipino, but I, I Lord, the same, the same uh, grace that you're pouring out in our city, in our nation in the Philippines. Lord, I ask as a Filipino, bless, Lord, the nation of South Africa. Bless this nation, Father God, with your visitation and your presence. Touch our hearts, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Release us from hatred. Release us from enslaving one another, but embracing one another instead. Lord, show to the world that we truly love one another because of the power of the gospel. Only by the power of the gospel. Not sheer, uh, Lord God's mere human strength but because of the power of the gospel. 
Lord, I, we are grateful that you will cause each and every student. I want to pray for those of you who are students. Please stand. If you are still student, uh, studying in school, high school or, or, or college, please stand. We want to pray for you right now. And we're going to pray for fruitfulness in your life, in ministry. As students, you are going to be fruitful in your school. I want, I want you to look up to me, all students who are standing. You have three job descriptions while you go in your campus. Three job description. I want you to excel in your, in your academics. I want you to excel. Believe God. By the grace of God, you'll have wisdom to excel. You know, when I came to know Christ, my grades was, were very low. But when I came to know Christ, I developed a habit, a study habit. And my grades started getting born again. They were resurrected from the dead. Resurrected from the dead. When my teacher says, I want somebody to come and say something about this in my English class. I said, I want somebody to come and volunteer. I would go forward. And my class, ooh, whoa. It's like there's that confidence in the Lord. And I would come and speak in front of my class. I mean, we're talking about engineering students, as I've told you. But the Lord has given me grace, and I thank God for it. May you, uh, may you uh, prosper in your academics. You want to have a good testimony with your parents? Impress them. Not with you reading your Bible every day in front of them. Impress them with your grades. Shock them. Let them faint <laughs> when they show you grades. Number two, your second job description while you are in the university is you lead this is your opportunity to be a leader in your campus you serve you lead by service you lead by by serving i told my daughter i, I was I, growing up i would tell her take charge and we would pray in the car and then she would go and run see you daddy and she would go and say take charge now elizabeth and, and she grew up thinking about taking charge in the class, volunteering, serving, helping her classmates. But uh, I changed my, 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 my advice when she went to college, though. I said, take care. <laughs> it's hard to be a dad of a daughter. But anyway, so, and so, and so that's your second. But if there's an opportunity to serve, run for student council, run for whatever in your class, go for it. Learn how to lead now. Don't wait for you to get out of college before you start leading. You lead now. Third, you're in that university as a missionary. You are on a mission. You only, you, and your time is running out. You only have max engineering, five years. Not seven, five. <laughs> if you're taking commerce, three years. Depending on the course, but I want you to know, your time is limited in that university. Give it your best shot in your academics, in your leadership, and in your mission. Let the works of the Lord, let Bible studies, let connect groups start to sprout in your universities. Because God is going to use you. I want you to raise your hands. Father God, we pray and stand on behalf of our students in the name of Jesus. They will remember there are three job descriptions. You're going to give them wisdom for their academics. 
There may be times they're not able to absorb and understand some of the subjects. You're going to give them, Lord, the wisdom to understand. The way Solomon asked for discerning of a heart, you're going to give them discerning of a heart at a young age. Lord, help them, Lord, in their academics. And I pray that you give them sense of leadership in their university. Let Use them now, Lord, to serve, be of service, serving others the way you have served us and end up leading us. Lord, I also pray that they appreciate that mission. The limited time of amount that they have in the university, it's going to be a time where they're going to be missionaries, where people will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because their seatmate is such an example. By the, not perfect, but they are living and preaching the gospel. So Lord, we leave up to you each and every student in this place. Give grace upon them. Lord, we stand with them. And we're looking forward for a conference this August where all the students from all over the place will come and once again be encouraged to see that there's hope for our nation. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen, amen and amen.